we just clashed immediately like it just it just it just didn't work initially at all it was like she had a totally different personality than I did <laughs> should I continue it seemed to me that there was something about me that she really didn't like and I thought she won't learn from me so this class won't help her if she won't learn from me um, but Monique wanted to stay Anne Neary and Monique Beckford could not be more different. They come from different backgrounds, different cultures, and different racial groups. They have completely different personalities. And they even have divergent philosophies about the purpose of education, including the AP literature class that brought them together. When the teacher and student first met at DeWitt Clinton High School in the Bronx, it immediately became clear that they needed to find a way to bridge this chasm or they would spend the whole year in an uncomfortable standoff. One thing you notice right away about Miss Neer is that she smiled, like, a lot. All through the day she was smiling, and she wouldn't let anything, any little thing bother her. She would just put a smile over it. And sometimes you couldn't tell when she was mad, upset. Sometimes I couldn't tell when she was happy because she, she smiled all the time, so it's kind of hard to, I guess, figure out what she felt and her emotions and what she was feeling at any point in the class or anything like that, because she always had a smile on her face. It's kind of a good thing as well, being that she could smile like that all the time, but at the same time, I guess I wanted to see like this human side of her to say, oh my God, you're human. You can have your bad days. Smiling was one of the first and most obvious ways that Monique and some of her classmates caused Miss Neary to question her approach. This comes up a lot. Um, I think it, it's slightly unique in the Bronx for teachers to smile all the time, and I do smile a lot. I'm honestly, I'm just a happy person, and I really like the kids. So every day to me is an interesting day and kind of fun. Um, and then it's part of the kindness package, right? Like a smile could change somebody's day. So I do smile a lot. Some of the boys told me this early on. They said, you shouldn't smile quite so much because it makes you look soft. Like you might be a pushover if you smile all the time or why do you always appear happy? I had a, a year once where I taught a boys only class. I felt as though I was raising my voice far more than I normally do in life. And at the end of the year, I remember them saying to me, you never once yelled at us. And I thought, oh my gosh, I feel as though I have laryngitis, <laughs> like permanent vocal cord problems, because I feel as though I was always raising my voice. Miss Neary not only wanted to be nice and kind, she wanted to be the type of teacher who could inspire her students, who could teach them to be creative and to develop their own voices. She wanted to defy the obsessive focus on standardized testing that defines so much of American education today. But that ambition ran into some major resistance from an unexpected quarter. Monique. I think it threw me. It, like it, it kind of got to my soul because she put up so many obstacles and she put up so much um, resistance to the way I teach. And, and the way I teach, most kids at that school in particular would say is different from other teachers. It's much more creative, a little more free-spirited. I want the students to really follow a passion, and I want them to go places they've never been before. I want to push some barriers away. And not all students like that. They clashed the most when it came to playwriting. Miss Neary invited an accomplished writer to help the students craft their own plays. Our main goal for the class was to help us prepare for the AP test in May. 
So with that, you would think that we would be spending most of the time preparing for the test, um, reading books, um, doing questions that related to the test and stuff like that. But I think, I think was it twice a week or once a week? I don't really remember. She had Judy come in. She was a playwright. Um, she basically came in and taught us how to write plays. Judy Tate is a well-known playwright um, in the country. She's done she won lots of awards and written lots of plays and written TV and really highly regarded in the theater industry. And she came every single week um, to help the kids work on, for a full year, their own play. Every time she came, I feel so bad talking about this now because I was such a horrible student, I'm sorry. But looking back at it now, I was really rude. She didn't like the idea that we were doing this. She didn't like Judy's interruption of class. She didn't, she was a little bit rude to Judy. I would question, why are we doing this? Why are we not preparing for the test? At one point, I remember Judy saying, well, what do we do with her? Out loud, Judy said that in front of class, and I said, we leave her alone. Because I thought, I'm not going to do this battle in front of somebody who's giving up their time to come help us. Um, so we decided to leave Monique alone with her playwriting. I feel like we spent more time writing that play than actually preparing for the test. That was the kind of another way that we clashed. Over time, Miss Neary began to wonder if Monique's resistance and disengagement was a sign of a bigger problem. She sensed something deeper was going on with Monique, but she wasn't sure what. In her zeal to help, she overreached one memorable time in a way that at least temporarily made the dynamic a little bit worse. I was worried that she was exhibiting some signs of depression because we had just had some lessons about how to look for that in school. And I, I you know, I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not qualified to, to diagnose, obviously, but some of the things that we had heard about in our sessions, I thought I was seeing in Monique. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> I remember one time I was in class and I guess I had, I had a headache and I had my head down and and she came over and she patted me on the back and at that point I was like, please, miss, don't, don't bother me right now. And she was like, you have to, you have to get up, you have to pay attention. When I talked to her, she had mentioned that she lived not with a parent, but with an older sister who had just gotten a master's degree, I think, in psychology. And I thought, oh, there's my entrance. So I called the sister to say, you know, I'm worried about depression and her sister blew up. And then her sister got mad at Monique. So not only did I not help Monique, but I sort of got her in trouble. Monique doesn't remember it exactly that way. As she recalled it, Miss Neary was worried about bipolar disorder, not depression. She called um, my sister, and she explained to my sister what was going on. And <laughs> she mentioned to my sister that I may be bipolar. So. My sister, she kind of took that the wrong way, um, and she asked that you have a medical degree to be making these diagnoses, and I'm like, oh my God, why did she go ahead and start this now with my sister? Because me and my sister, we kind of like the same people. So that now, hearing that from my sister came back to me, I'm just like, wow, why would you do that? It's kind of like, okay, this, you're taking it a bit too far now, diagnosing me. <laughs> I just really was worried about the depression, I think, thing was really bothering me because I just felt so strongly that she just 
needs support and needs to know there is such a thing as support. I, I don't know that she understood that she could get it. Despite the tension, Miss Neary's intuition was right. Monique did have a lot going on, and she did want help. My dad and his wife, which is my stepmom, um, they had planned to move out. And I thought I would be going with them, but he said no, because my wife doesn't really like you and your sister that much. You're not going to come with us, and you're going to have to find somewhere else to go. So he gave me the option of, um, you know, living with my sister, living with my mom in Jersey. My sister moved not too far from where we was before in the Bronx, um, which I'm still at now. But I guess that kind of brought a lot of confliction in my head, being that, okay, you're my parent, and you're supposed to be the one taking care of me, and you just basically abandoned me. One of Miss Neary's other attempted interventions turned out to be more successful than the phone call to Monique's sister. I think that I spoke to her guidance counselor about maybe having a therapist see her, and we tried to arrange that. So I think in that aspect, she understood um, where I was coming from and stuff like that. And I think she kind of knew that I was going through some stuff at home as well, because that's why I think she sent me to the, the counseling session um, in our school. I guess she she noticed that about me, and that was a good thing, because I, I think I actually needed that session, really. This is not a fairy tale story of bitter rivals who become best friends, but both Monique and Miss Neary meant well, and they learned to understand and appreciate that about each other. As time went by, the teenager developed a certain respect for her teacher, and Miss Neary learned just how challenging it can be to earn a student's trust. I don't think she ever came to trust me, but this is one of the things that I found really unique about Monique. Um, every time she had an outburst, she would send me an email apologizing afterwards, and adults don't do that, you know? So here's a 17-year-old taking the time to say, this is how I felt, this is what it was, um, I'm very sorry, I should be more respectful, that sort of thing. I think that's really, really unusual, and I always appreciated her integrity. I mean, definitely she was very resilient towards me, which was kind of a good thing because I'm, I'm very difficult to deal with at times, but I'm glad she did that, I'm glad she held true to who she was. Um, I give her props for that because I don't know if, if I were in her shoes, I don't know if I could make it with me. But um, I could definitely say that she always gave her all to the class, um, 100%, even if I wasn't into it. I hope that she opened up her mind to opportunities, experiences and opportunities that um, if you just say yes, like if somebody's offering you something. So I offered her theater, say yes. Um, I wanted her to be able to say yes to things like that. She kind of, I guess, opened my eyes to a lot of different things that I wasn't really um, known to or open to before because I was never into like plays and stuff like that. But I, actually today I would go and see one because I actually got that experience from her. Monique will always be with me because I'll always think of the struggle to reach her. and. And that is so important to me. I think that you can't be a good teacher unless you've reached your students, and you have to reach them somewhere in the heart. 
and then you can reach their minds. I wrote in her yearbook, I'm, I told her I was sorry for being such a difficult student and I'm glad that we've come to good terms at this point. She took quite a big page in the back and wrote almost an apology letter. You know, just, I was so surprised at it actually because it's there for everybody to see. You know, the book gets passed around the room and everybody can read what the other students wrote. But she said, you never deserved the way I treated you. You never did it back to me. Definitely made me feel good. I thought, okay, this is, this is Monique reaching out a little bit and realizing that I meant her no harm, that I always cared about her. I did feel good that she understood that I wanted to be kind to her. When she read it, she's smiling like, okay, we're good. Even if it's not on like that emotional level or personal level, we're good. Like student to teacher, we're good. After coming to peace with Monique, Anne Neary's days at DeWitt Clinton turned out to be numbered. She lost her job at the school nearly a year ago when it surplused the teachers with the least seniority. She now teaches at a public school in Connecticut. Monique Beckford had to leave college for financial reasons and she is now working hard at two retail jobs. She says she sees the value of an education like never before and she hopes to return to college in the fall. This podcast is created by The Teacher Project, an education reporting fellowship at Columbia Journalism School. It was produced by Mallory Falk and edited by Aaliyah Wong and Matt Thompson. Many thanks to Anne Neary and to Monique Beckford for sharing their stories with us. Mm-hmm.